This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. Now, this is the second of four episodes highlighting the four quotes that I wove into the introduction music to this podcast. And I poured over a lot of quotes as I built it out. I got the music from a very good friend of mine. He put it together himself and composed it. And then I overlaid the, the quotes on top of that. And there are a lot, as you would expect. And I rejected many. But these four in particular stood out. The first was an excerpt from Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. And if you haven't listened to Sean Powell and I examine that poem, add last week's episode to your queue after this one. Today's quote is statesman and prime minister Winston Churchill. He was born November 30th, 1874 at Blenheim Palace in the UK. And he died January 24th, 1965 in London at the age of 90. And you probably recognized his voice without me having to tell you who it was. You've probably heard part or maybe all of this speech from which today's quote originates. This is actually the second of three great speeches that he delivered in his first 40 or so days of his prime ministership. The speech is known commonly as the We Shall Fight on the Beaches speech. Because while not highlighted in the podcast intro, that is one of the more famous lines from this particular speech. Now, the first speech that he gave was called Blood, Toil, Tears, and Sweat, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And the third one, given just a few weeks after this, was entitled This Was Their Finest Hour, and we'll talk about that as well. As you probably know, Churchill was a great orator. He wove themes and words together expertly to drive home his points and his agenda. Now, of course, I would be remiss to not point out that the man was not without his faults. But when England needed him, when Europe needed him, when the world needed him, he delivered. Imperfections taken into account and acknowledged, he was what they all needed at the time. Recall that he took over for the idealistically naive Neville Chamberlain in 1940, and he was immediately set upon to oversee the withdrawal from Dunkirk. He also had to watch the French lose the Battle of France and attempt to rally his nation to fight, and to suffer when many people probably rather would not. 
If you haven't heard about some of the things that happened prior to him taking over as prime minister, take a moment and go read about that as well, because Neville Chamberlain's performance prior to this left a lot to be desired. So he had a large responsibility to not only set the tone, but also create a set of expectations and to rally everyone to those expectations after listless and wobbly-kneed leadership prior to that. Now, I said we'd look at the first and third speeches as well because they're interesting. So the first speech, again, was called Blood, Toil, Tears, and Sweat, and he delivered that on his very first day in office. And his goal, again, was to rally the nation. He gave the equivalent in Blood, Toil, Tears, and Sweat of what I can only think of as that old Marine Corps recruiting poster. Perhaps you've seen it. If you're a Marine, you've certainly seen it. It's the poster with the drill instructor standing over a Marine, just screaming. You can see the veins popping out of his neck, and he's just screaming at a Marine. And it says, we never promised you a rose garden. And that's basically the equivalent of what Churchill delivered to Parliament, to the British Empire, and to the world that day. He basically said, the fight that we are entering, the fight that we are now a part of, is going to be hard and painful and potentially last a very long time. And with that, he hoped to rally and stiffen the spines of those who listened. And he did, and he began to gather steam early in his prime ministership with that speech. In fact, you do far worse than to go and listen to all three of the speeches. They're just that good. And you can feel your spine stiffen and your resolve grow strong, even though it's more than 80 years since they were delivered. Such was his effect as a speaker. Now, the third speech he delivered after the withdrawal at Dunkirk and the beginning of a long period of time without significant British forces on mainland Europe at all, was the This Was Their Finest Hour speech. And recall Dunkirk, maybe you've seen the movie, maybe you've read about it or recall it from your history classes. Dunkirk was a massive withdrawal from the coast of mainland Europe at the town of Dunkirk as British and other allied forces were swept up and encircled by the rapidly moving German forces invading the countryside. They required a variety of civilian boats and every military ship that could be mustered to go and rescue these folks literally from the beaches. You can see the pictures of the British soldiers just hanging out on the beach, hoping and waiting for the next boat to come to take a bunch of them home across the channel. So this had just happened when Churchill delivered this particular speech. And a goal, his goal, again, was to steal his counterparts in Parliament and the nation to stand together. The final line of the speech is perhaps the best one of them all, he says, let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will say this was their finest hour. Now, wow, I don't think people write speeches quite like this anymore. Maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm waxing nostalgic for a, a period of time that is no more. But if that doesn't make you want to grab your rifle and your bayonet and your helmet and go fight, I don't know what will. I mean, think about that. He says, for a thousand-year history, if the British Commonwealth lasts for a thousand years, let those people living at the end of that look back and say that that year, that time, that period, World War II, back in 1940 to 1945, was their finest hour. That is a motivational speech. And today's speech is also excellent. And I again recommend you listen to them all. I'll put a link to each one in the notes. 
And I'm going to play the clip for you again, but before I do, imagine that you're a British citizen at the time, and the war is just ramping up. Recall it began with the invasion of Poland by Hitler back in 1939, so it's been less than a year at this time. The U.S. is not involved directly yet. That won't happen for a year and a half, following the attack on Pearl Harbor in December of 1941. This speech is delivered in mid-1940, so we're a long way out. The British are essentially going it alone. The French are not doing well in the Battle of France as Germany has swept from east to west across Europe. And we don't know the outcome yet, right? You, the British citizen in this analogy, don't know the outcome. And Hitler appears unstoppable. In fact, Britain's most geographically and nationally linked ally is getting stomped across its own backyard. So ask yourself, what is your thought process at this time? And then up steps Winston Churchill to the podium, and he says the following. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. Now perhaps you can see why I chose this for the intro music. This is about as iconic a speech as you can find in audio format. Both the reason why Churchill gave it and the manner in which he did so. In fact, The Art of Manliness, which we have quoted on here before, and Brett McKay is the host and writer, lead writer there, ranked it in the top 35 best speeches ever given, as do many other lists of that type. And they're not wrong. The thing that I always find interesting is that while those speeches are, a lot of the speeches on there are compelling, a lot of times they contain speeches that you can't actually hear. But if you listen to the entirety of this speech, and again, I encourage you to do so, it's not that long. If you listen to the entirety of this speech, you can feel the ebb and flow and the build and the relaxation in the voice of Winston Churchill, the urgency with which he compels his listeners to take action. It's part of what makes the speech so powerful. It's why Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech is often cited in speaking classes for meter and tempo and the weaving together of themes and the repetition of key points, etc., etc. So too with this. Now, certainly, Abraham Lincoln's speech at Gettysburg is an incredible speech. It stirs the soul. But none of us were alive to hear it, and it wasn't recorded. So we don't get to hear the man actually speak the words. And this speech stirs me now, even today, to action. And perhaps it does with you too. Make no mistake, this was a very dire time in the world. And what the moment called for was a man of conviction and a man of strength. 
And Churchill gave the world that. And take some time and listen to it, and to the others. They're all great, and they provide a glimpse into the challenges of leading the nation and the world in a time of great crisis. The pressure was immense on Churchill's shoulders. Failure was all too possible and equally unacceptable. In fact, Churchill at this time was very young in this role. Now, he had had other key positions in Parliament before this, which had led him to be the top choice, or one of the top choices, I suppose, to lead Parliament. If you want an interesting book on that, look up the book Troublesome Young Men, because it talks about some of the folks who very early on spoke out against Neville Chamberlain and the way he was handling Hitler's rise to power in Germany at the time. It's an interesting book. Churchill was among them, but not completely. It's complicated, as these things often are. But Troublesome Young Men. Look it up. It's a great book. So the question at the time was, would Churchill live up to the expectations and guide the nation through the turmoil to come? Or would he, like his predecessor, be unceremoniously removed for mishandling the situation, which had no wiggle room to allow for that? No one knew that at the time. But we do now. This speech was just a sign of things to come. And that is why I included it in the introductory music for this podcast. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.